And we're back. Um, back this week. Welcome back to Redemption uh, Meditations. I'm Dana, here with, uh, as always, with Lee and Steve. And we're picking up where we left off last week, talking about um, complementarianism versus egalitarianism. So two different viewpoints. Complementarian um, uh, has to do with male uh, headship, and we, we talked about that being um, defined as responsibility in the positive sense and also blame in the negative sense. Um, so uh, so men are responsible. So let me put it this way. Husbands are responsible um, uh, to uh, lead their families, lead their wives spiritually. Uh, the commands in, um, for example, in Ephesians are given to Husbands, love your wives. That's the command given to husbands. It isn't husbands, make your wife submit. <laughs> it's husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, which is a self-sacrificing um, uh, care for, self-sacrificing love. Um, and so we've been focusing on that and also talking about within the church. And so I want to pick that up and pick up on a thread that, uh, just a comment that Lee made last week um, and I wanted to explore this a little bit because even within the complementarian um, viewpoint, so that viewpoint within church is essentially saying that the church office of elder, pastor, overseer, one office, that that office is restricted to men. Um, that's pretty clear. Um, but we made the comment deacons. Uh, also, uh, I think you said, Lee, is restricted, or at least I think you said, in your opinion, should be held by men also. Is that true? Did I get that I right? said uh, qualified men, yes. Yeah, right, right. Yes. Not just any man. Right, qualified men. Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So qualified. Here uh, I stand. No. <laughs> <laughs> I have 94 other so theses on this if you want. <laughs> So uh, I qualified according to um, 1 Timothy chapter 3, right. Titus chapter 1. Okay, so um, just so that we're on the same page. Um, so deacons. So what do you do then, Lee, since you made the statement? I'm going to kind of push back on you just a little bit. Do it. Um, what, what do you do with that statement in 1 Timothy 3 where it, it says... Um, well, depending on the translation, it either says wives or women, likewise, and then there are qualifications under deacon. In other let me, words, let me turn to it here. Yeah, in other in other words, doesn't uh, the qualifications for a deacon, and then it says um, th their wives also, or their wives likewise, mm -hmm. and there are some qualifications, and then it comes back to deacons after that. Yeah. Um, to the men after that. Yeah. So uh, the I think I think the reason that the the wives are present in those qualifications when they're not necessarily present with the elders is because this role, this the role of a deacon is a um, a service oriented role, right? So um, as compared to an elder who who does serve but also leads as well. In, in in sort of um yeah it's, there's a leadership aspect to to being an elder um 
whether you're the, as we talked about last time, whether you're the pastor and you you hold that particular title and hold that role, or you're a lay elder like like Steve or myself, uh, who do fill in a, a different sort of leadership, uh, but still a valuable one, uh, if not you know being the the main teaching pastor, for example. Um, but it is different for a deacon who will often be doing something that people don't notice, uh, may not you know, is not calling, quote unquote, calling the shots on things. So I do think that the wives of deacons um, are are unique, are in a, in a sort of unique position where I don't know in that passage that I would call the wives of deacons also deaconesses, but as somebody who is serving the needs of the church, um, there is a need for women to serve in the church. Um, and there are some roles, again, like we said last time, that that women will will fill in serving the church better than a man will, uh, and and oftentimes I would say in a in a good marriage that the deacon uh, has a willingness to serve as does his wife. Um, that's usually the case. Um, it, it isn't always the case, but in those cases that you know that that wife is not prevented from serving um, alongside her husband. Um, but because it's not a leadership role, uh, it's not necessarily officially an office of the church either. Um, but the wife of of a deacon uh, does have a have certainly has a place in serving the church. Maybe in a way that uh, uh, the the wife of an elder might not, even though wives of elders do serve in the church, um, you know. But they're not going to have elder esque duties in that serving, whereas the wife of a deacon could have deacon-like service. They might not hold the title. And just as other men who uh, are ne aren't necessarily uh, qualified to be a deacon might still serve the church as well. So uh, it's a little it's a little closer to um, to that kind of service in the church um, and, and a little less of a um, of a formal designation uh, for I hope th this is sounding messy. Hopefully, I'm being clear enough, uh, stating yeah. my my position. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna push one back back on on a common argument um, against what you're saying is well, what about Phoebe in in Romans 16, uh, verse one? Paul writes, "I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant." So I'm reading the ESV, a servant, and that word is is deacon or it's the feminine, so it's a deaconess of the church at Sancria, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you. So um, he's commending her and he calls her a, a deacon or a deaconess. It's the, the female version of the same thing. It, it, doesn't that, doesn't that argue against you? Well, the, yeah, depending on, on how you argue that, yes, it, it, it could. Um, and, you know, part of the, Part of the difference between our our church, um, churches in our times versus the church back then, um, the level of service, uh, for instance, so you might call the person who hosted the church in their home a deacon because they truly were serving the church by providing a place for them to meet. Does that mean that that person is formally an officer in the church? Uh, maybe, maybe not. Um, but deacon... Um, that that word um, does have a broader use than, say, the word presbyteros or 
Um, okay. The, the words that we use for overseer, elder, um, those kinds of words are a little, a little, a little tighter, I would say, as far as definition goes. Um, so I, it was my, it had been my opinion for a long time, and I'm willing to be, uh, <laughs> for my opinion to be changed. Uh, but uh, it was my opinion that that she was likely um, a well-to-do woman uh, who had a, a house that could hold church services in it, and they would meet in her home. And that was how she served the church, and probably other ways too. But oftentimes that was how people, churches often met in in more uh, well-to-do people's homes who had a little more yeah, money larger social L standing in larger houses. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I, I don't disagree with you. I'm just um, pushing back on like some of the common arguments, mm -hmm. and and one of the one of the arguments. So so there's two things I wanted to point out. The first is um, the use of the word deacon with relation to Phoebe there in, in Romans 16, just a few chapters earlier. Um, uh, he he actually uses the same word to refer to the governing authorities in chapter 13. He calls them God's servant, oh, and, sure. and it's the same. It's the same thing, and clearly, no one argues that um, the mayor of Bell Fountain is a deacon of the church. Well, actually, <laughs> yeah. it could be in our in our situation, not in our church, but in another one. But uh, nobody's arguing that the the Roman emperor is also a deacon in the church. Um, uh, that that's not. Uh, he's just a yeah. servant of God, so he's been put in that position to serve in that role of of um, governing authority. So any governing authority is put in that in that role and will be held to an account for um, how he has governed. Right. Um, so so it's the same word. So it's not an office there. That's clear. Uh, Jesus is actually referred to in, in one place um, as a servant in mm -hmm. the same way we all understand that to be yeah. he's not jesus isn't a deacon <laughs> in, in an official he's also referred sense. to as an apostle as well in, in, <laughs> well in so that was too, my so. other point yeah in in the way that paul uses the word apostle we think of it as the office of apostle and that, mm -hmm. that was limited to specific men right, right. who served uh, with jesus like yeah. faith, like learned from jesus um uh, but Paul will call, for example, he calls James an apostle, mm -hmm. and um, James wasn't a believer. James, Jesus's yeah. brother, wasn't a believer until after Jesus ascended. So, ascended. yeah, so he he kind of uses that, or he'll refer to apostles, plural, and seems to refer to himself, Silas, and Timothy, mm -hmm. because it means sent ones mm -hmm. right so they were sent well they were yeah um, but it's an office it, it's this distinct so i'm just i'm saying that i agree with you so, sometimes missionaries have been called apostles because of that reason in yeah. in, in the past in in more archaic times um before before it got all kind of uh swept up in especially in the charismatic world which puts a lot of weight on that word but um which but is why i would say would... that sorry go ahead go ahead well, I was that, just thinking that's, that's a legitimate really... use of that word uh, to call them an apostle in that yeah, way. And, that, and that's why we don't really use that now because it has been so like words mean things and that they mm -hmm. it's come to mean um, people either think of the yeah. apostles, the 12, or they think, you know, apostle 
Bishop Bob, whatever. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, and, and that's not that that's not what we're talking about. That, you, you're not a self-appointed apostle in that way. Yeah. Um, so so deacon is similar in that sometimes it's used just to mean servant, a servant of the church, and sometimes it's an office. Right. Right. Agreed. Okay. Yeah. It has a broad semantic range. And yeah. so usually when you use it, you need to provide some some context for it, which is, and which I is don't, a good thing. And 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 that, that passage in First Timothy three that we were referring to. Um, so it's verses eight to thirteen, and uh, verse eight to ten is about is the qualifications for deacons. Um, deacons must be dignified, not double tongued, not addicted to much wine. It goes on. Um, uh, verse eleven. The ESV translates it, their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanders, but sober-minded, faithful in all things. Then in verse 12, it says, let deacons each be the husband of one wife. So verse 11 is what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. And I think what you said is good because it, it, it probably is referring to their wives. Mm -hmm. And if you look at Acts 6, which they're not called deacons, uh, the seven there are not called deacons. Um, they're just seven um, appointed to, to wait tables. They're appointed to care for widows. Mm -hmm. And I, I, so to kind of give support to what you said, the nature of the service ministry is that it is very wise for deacons to bring their wives with them mm -hmm. when they're caring for other women, a woman, right. Yeah. Um, uh, vulnerable lonely whatever right so so it's wise for them to bring their wives and mm -hmm. if you have a deacon who's married his wife ought to be um as as uh, uh verse 11 says dignified not slanderers sober-minded faithful in all things um the other translation is that 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 word for wives could also be just be simply translated women um, I think mm -hmm. it's a hmm. it's a lesser argument to hmm. say um, all those arguments, all those qualifications for a deacon must be this, and then if they're women, they also must be this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't I've heard that really one before. <laughs> I don't think it's really what they're what it's saying. Um, no. But there are faithful churches that we are in fellowship with who have women deacons that are genuinely serving one another, like. I don't yeah. have a problem with that. I, yeah. I don't think it's a, it's not an authority. Typically it's not a, a um, an office of authority in the church right. in the same way that an elder right. um, is. I think that the, the rub here is blurring the lines of authority. And, and some of this comes down to how are your deacons deaconing? Yeah. So you could have deacons that are, serving in a way that isn't necessarily all that distinct from how a lot of the women in the church serve. And then you could have deacons that are serving in a way where they're really taking authority over their, whatever their focus is. It may be, it could be the building, it could be uh, ministry to a specific group of people, but they're running this thing. This is their thing. And they'll bring people along beside them, like their wife, maybe. Yeah. Uh, but they're they're 
all in a sense exercising a kind of authority in in the carrying out of their service and if that's what we're talking about i think we would say at our church let's let's reserve that for the men and again this kind of goes back to the previous episode because if you're not doing that hey fellas what are you doing right like, <laughs> like it's a little you know just sitting around and letting all of our wives handle it right starts to bring up an uncomfortable conversation that probably needs to happen about guys like we're supposed to there's got to be, be an element of like let's get in this and get after it uh, uh, here a little bit right. and uh and i think we should acknowledge that there's lots of service that i, I think you would be hard pressed to find many churches where you don't have women serving right where, where all the men right. would say right. we'll do all the food preparation and cleanup and you ladies just sit there i bet doesn't happen in a lot of churches maybe it does <laughs> i don't know but yeah. that probably isn't how it goes and so we want to i i think we have to acknowledge that the women of the church are doing a lot of vital important work and if you are the wife of a deacon and i i would even say if you're the wife of an elder there's a there's an element of you're kind of coming along for the ride here a little bit with with things. You're not an elder. You're not in this office necessarily, but you're not just whoever, you know, and inevitably you end up, and I think we could probably recognize this, that if you're one of the elders' wives, you're, 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 you're doing a, some version of, shepherding the flock in some way usually that's through your husband hey i heard this this is what's going on with this person i think we talked about that last yeah. time but well a lot of times yeah. those those wives are the same older ladies of the church that are called on in scripture to to teach the younger women too yeah yeah you know a yeah. lot of yeah. times they're going to be at a similar level of sanctification as their husband you know have been a christian for a long time it would be natural uh to see to see that happen um you know, I was thinking about about deacons as well. There, I, I there's probably I would I'd be willing to say there's an identity crisis among deacons in the American church because you'll get things like what we've been talking about, where the deacons may may actually not be doing anything, and their wives may actually be doing the serving. Um, but then you may get, uh, and I think this is actually the situation in a lot of, especially Baptist churches, unfortunately, where the deacons there's like a deacon board and they just vote on stuff. So they're kind of doing the work of elders, as in leading the direction of the church, but they're also like a committee, not really, you know what I mean? It's just like a, a, a series of votes, uh, and yeah. so like there'd be a pastor and then like four or five deacons who vote on items and stuff, and that's not filling the office of deacon either, according to scripture. Yeah, they're functioning as overseers, actually. Yeah. Um, and sometimes they call them trustees, you know, something yeah. like that, but yeah, they're functioning as... Uh, they're they're functioning as the as overseers of overseers mm -hmm. of the church and deacon by definition. So the the, the New Testament in particular is not um, it's not explicit on the job description of a deacon, right? Other than right. servant because that's what the word means. Um, but it, there's there's all kinds of different areas of service that you know some some pla like um, some places are very needy. Where there's a lot of um, just you know a lot of like like 
widows or a lot of really poor, you know, they just need help. And, and in some places it's much more affluent and they don't need those kinds of things. And so it's much more like kind of focused on building and budgets and those types of things. Um, and I think that's part of the genius of the new Testament is pulling together, like just serve the church. However, your church needs service. Whereas the job of an elder is um, clearly, so in that passage in Acts 6, the, the apostles there, it's the prayer and ministry of the word. Um, as it shapes out throughout the rest of the New Testament, it is that it is that preaching, teaching, um, uh, lead, feed, and protect is sort of the mm-hmm. shorthand that we we think of. But that's where the the elders are responsible. So in Ephesians thirteen, verse uh, seven, and then seventeen, I think it is. But in, in Ephesians chapter thirteen, um, Paul talks, or excuse me, the author of Hebrews talks about. <laughs> Those who um, taught you God's word. So obey your leaders and submit to them. Those who taught you God's word. So there's it's very clearly referring to pastors, elders, overseers. And then it says they will be held accountable. Those leaders will be held accountable. And so there's there's that connection of the um, the overseers of the church, the, the, the men who have been entrusted with the ministry of um, eldering, sh- shepherding the church, they are responsible and will be held responsible for how they shepherded the church. The deacons are not, whether they're men or women, they're not going to be held responsible for how they oversaw the church, right? That's not their role. The role is to serve. It is to come alongside um come alongside the elders, come alongside the, uh, people in the church and just serve in however uh, we see fit. And so in our church, we've made it an office. Philippians is written to the elders and deacons. So we believe it's an actually an office, not just simply, you know, everybody that works in the kitchen is, you know, deacon of kitchen ministry or something like that. Right. Um, we think it's actually an office uh, with qualifications, right? For Timothy. Right. Um, but um we've given them like and we've tried to work with this specific roles that they're responsible for and so we've kept it at men um because we believe that's what is the scripture teaches but but also because um because we believe it's a high office of the church because philippians addresses the deacons and the saints it actually says the elders deacons and saints so there's a distinction there um, meaning that it's an office um, so, so let me, let me go to the next one and maybe, maybe this can be short. Maybe we've already kind of covered it, but what about those churches that have like, they'll say, yes, um, elder pastor is restricted to men according to the Bible, but that's really just the senior pastor. And we have, uh, you know, like the children's director, we call her a children's pastor or the youth pastor or maybe the pastor's even the senior pastor's wife can be called pastor sometimes so what do, what do we say about that Ooh. <laughs> this is this is where words become really important and and we see this we could probably have a wider discussion about our culture and the importance of words and changing the meaning of words but when you start to use words like pastor, and that's usually the, the the word where this all hinges, but you could use elder or overseer or any of those uh, Bible words 
for what we call elders, even if you say, well, but they're not doing, they're, they're doing this, they're not doing that. As soon as you put that word on there, the word itself carries with it a certain authority. And authority is what a lot of this comes down to when, when we look at some of the things Paul wrote. He's reserving that authority for men. And even if you say, well, she's the children's pastor, but she's not like the pastor pastor. Well, then we probably need to use a different word because <laughs> as soon as you use that word, it does mean something and it carries with it something. And at best, it creates confusion. Mm-hmm. However, I think the, the scenario is not usually the best case scenario. I think it usually ends up going further than that. But at, at, at a minimum, it, it creates con- confusion about who this person is and what her role in the church is. And it's just a it's better idea to have some clarity here. These are the elders. These are the pastors. And we're not going to call anybody else that. And that's it. And I think people like to use that word to to make the 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 woman uh, director of children's ministry the children's pastor on purpose a lot of times yeah. because yeah. it muddies the waters and it creates confusion because I think it, we ta- said this before sometimes there's just stuff in the Bible we don't like and I don't like it that it says that and if I can muddy <laughs> the waters I'm not exactly saying that part of it. We're not standing up there and saying, now let's all tear this page out of the Bible. But you're sort of functionally saying, eh, you know, we're yeah. going to kind of do our own thing. What's the thing yeah, with so- that, in that one viral video where the pastrix is like, uh, I didn't read that one verse because it's yikes. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. no, there's not no part of the Bible that's yikes. Right. <laughs> Well, see, that's the problem, right? If you say, okay, I see what Paul says here, and I disagree with it, so we're going to disregard what Paul says <laughs> about women or about, you know, men, women in ministry or, you know, that the that the office of elder is restricted to men, that, you know, when he says, I do not permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over men, we, uh, we, don't, we don't like that, so that's big, big yikes. We're going to take that out. <laughs> well, when you do that, you can take out anything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If, if that's not authoritative, if that if God's word does not have authority over you in that one area that you don't just that's what submission is. Right. Submission. So the, the, pertaining to this whole discussion, submission is only submission when there's disagreement. Mm-hmm. Right. When, when my wife and I make a decision together and we're both in agreement, I, she's not really submitting to me. Right. We're just we we just agree and we're just doing. But if if it's a difficult decision and I have to finally say, you know what, this is what we're going to do. And and she said, like, like kind of stops, you know, if if, okay, the decision has been made, we're not going to discuss anymore. We're just going to do this. Submission is like, okay, I'll just follow you and I'll support you. Um, And and that can happen in all kinds of different ways, you know. We don't like that word submission, um, but it happens. I mean, we we do it with our bosses, right? Um, we have to do that with our bosses. We have to do that within our within our families. We, I, you know, I have to write my tax checks. Right? I have to yeah. submit to the government and write that. Um, I don't 
I don't like doing that, <laughs> but I have Who to. Who does? <laughs> right, <laughs> right. I mean, if I want to stay out of jail, I have to do it or get fines or whatever. Yeah. Um, but that's what submission is. It, it only comes into play when there's disagreement. And um, if we- Can I, can I add one yeah. thing to that also? Like yeah. it would be preferable if uh, rather than saying, well, th I didn't read that because this is yikes, just stand up there and read it and look everybody in the eye and say, Paul wrote this. This is in the Bible. It's wrong. And I'm right. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, Nobody like, have clarity Nobody about it. Right. Nobody wants to say that. They want to say, ah, it's yikes. But what they're saying is this rubs up against something in me or how yeah. I see the world or who I, it, how I identify, I guess is a, how the, ter <laughs> the terminology at, at the root of this or whatever it is. And so I'm right. And the Bible's wrong. Here's an area where I'm not in sync and the Bible is wrong. Yeah. A and just say it. And, uh, and I would even say I, uh, to, to uh, add another thing that you were kind of talking about there, Dana, it doesn't even have to be, you know, uh, one person says Coke and another person says Pepsi or left and right. It can just be, I just am not super comfortable with that. It rubs up against me roughly. And, and you can see submission there also, where it's like, boy, I wouldn't have done it exactly like this, but I'm on board because that's where those in authority above me have chosen to go. And so we are going this way. Let's make this work. That is what we're talking about with, with, submission and so that's why the, there's a problem with uh eh, it's yikes it's it, they're saying i'm not really they're they're sort of playing some word salad with it instead of coming out and just saying it but they want to make sure you know yeah i'm not really down that's not submission either yeah right and and, and submission isn't so jesus said um you know the world uh, worldly authorities lord it over those under them and it, it should not be so with you right so submission isn't lording it over it isn't saying you know what we're having coke and we're always having coke because this is a coke household right that that, that isn't <laughs> like like that's that's not what we're talking about so so if to use that coke or pepsi thing that's something that i would say do you prefer pepsi that's fine let's just do pepsi yeah, I, I can I can give myself up for her in that way. Mm -hmm. Right. That seems like a stupid thing. But for example, I, I would go out to eat a lot if it were up to me. And my wife doesn't like to go out to eat as much. Um, and so we don't go out to eat as much. I could insist on my way. I could insist on a, you know, again, these are stupid examples. And yet they're not because I could insist on my way. And 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 that would be lording it over. That would be wrong, right? And it, mm -hmm. and it could it could be sinful. Um, it's a putting my desires over the other, and and that's where. So when we're talking about in church leadership, that's where the qualifications come in. That we have to be as elders. We have to be looking out for the best for our church, the people. So. Peter says in 1 Peter 5, he addresses the elders very specifically as a fellow elder, he says, shepherd, pastor, the flock of God that is among you, um, exercising oversight uh, 
not under compulsion, but willingly. So, so there's this whole element of oversee the church, do it pastorally, right? Do it shepherdingly, um, and 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 not for your own shameful gain, right? Do do it uh, for the glory of Christ, essentially. And um, and so that's what we're talking about, and it's being held, um, uh, being held responsible before the Lord. Um, and, and honestly, um, it, it, it's a role that nobody should want. Yeah. <laughs> right? You're not going to go out campaigning for this role. Vote <laughs> <laughs> right. for right. me. <laughs> right. It, it, it's a role that, but if they do, it's a good task that they desire, a noble task, yeah. Paul says. It's the work, not the office. Too, too often we get concerned about the office, whether it's men or women. We get mm-hmm. concerned about the office, but it's the work that we will be held accountable for that we should be desiring. Okay, that was probably longer. Um, I said last time that there were uh, four realms. So we talked about the family and the church. Um, the, other, uh, the other two realms are, are sort of um, employment and government. Um, so right now there's a, a, on the Republican ticket, there's a woman running for president. So the big question is, biblically speaking, can a, so take her out of the equation. Um, <laughs> biblically speaking, can a woman be like lead a nation like that, like this, like president? Governmentally, from a biblical perspective. Could or should which 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 question are yeah. you asking? I guess. Oh, that okay. What what's the distinction, Lee? Well, so um, so the distinction is is there a biblical prohibition against women in um governmental leadership or other sort of leadership roles that are outside of the church or the family? Um, and is it wise for a woman to hold those roles? Um. So be a matter of prudence or like actual chapter and verse, a woman can or cannot. Um, so we don't get uh, we have some examples in scripture of women. So you've got, for instance, the uh, the Queen of Sheba um, and, uh, um, you know, there are other, you know, queen type figures. Um, there are also some bad women in leadership as well. You know, the Queen of Sheba is sort of seen positively. And then you've mm-hmm. got Jezebel. So, you know, so there's, ex- <laughs> we, we don't even have time to go into her, but, <laughs> and all her stuff. Right. Uh, so, you know, just like there were good kings and bad kings, there have been good mm-hmm. queens and bad queens. So uh, I would say that, you know, biblically, a woman could be in, in a, um, a secular leadership role like that. You know, we talk about the, you know, the, the two kingdom view, um, and we don't have time to unpack all that, but um, so in the in the role of the state, you know, it, it it would be permissible, I would say, for a woman to hold a role like that. Now, are women best suited on a whole um, to be the president of the United States, given their nature, given that we're complementarian? We know that men and women are different, but are complementary to one another. Is the 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 average tendency of a woman because you know people are individuals but is a woman temperamentally 
on a whole, typically uh, prepared, suited, well-suited for for that kind of role. Um, there are quite a few people who say no. Uh, I think, I think personally, um, some might be. I'd say most are not. Uh, the kind of decisions that are required of um, somebody, either uh, the occupant of uh, the executive branch of the government, sometimes even the legislative, um, are are the kind of decisions that I think a lot of women would prefer not to make. <laughs> and sometimes the wrong kind of woman would want to make those decisions, I guess. <clears throat> Rashida Tlaib, <clears throat> for example. <laughs> I'll edit that out, but... <laughs> No, you won't. <laughs> no, I won't. <laughs> I think this is an area where, you know, in, in the family and in the church, like Lee said, we have chapter and verse. It's pretty explicitly uh, laid out there for us. There's not, there's only confusion if you choose to have some confusion uh, when it comes right. to those two institutions. With this one, it's not as explicit. And, and I think that, uh, th this is where, you know, with the other two, we can push back on ability or feeling called or the desire to when it comes to family and the church. And it's, it is it is harder to push back on it when you talk about government, because there isn't as a, a some explicit prohibition against, against this. Now, as complementarians, I think I, I still have a tendency to have that same sort of fellas, where are you, uh, mm -hmm. you know, uh, response, but I'm a lot less inclined if somebody, if a woman runs for Senator or president or governor or whatever to push back on that the way I would, if a woman, uh, decides she's going to be the pastor of a church <laughs> or, a, a a woman is going to rule her home and husband and children with an iron fist or something. <laughs> You know, that that I feel a lot more comfortable pushing back on, like, I think we have a problem here. But um, th there is one place that I can think of, and I think it's Isaiah chapter three, where the, the Bible points out women ruling over them, not as a great, I not as a great thing. It's like a <laughs> yeah. curse, you know, and in, in the same way yeah. that the, the, the the Bible points to some things as this is what you get <laughs> almost like this is the consequences of your actions. Now, am I going to hang my whole hat on that and just say, Oh, I, I would never vote for a woman who ran for president or something like that. No, I'm not saying that, I, but I, you know, it is one example where it's not <laughs> portrayed as a good thing. <laughs> so, you know, it's definitely not portrayed at look at how much you've been blessed by God that the, that your women are ruling your your nation, but um, I, I I think it is not as clear as as the other two institutions for sure. So so the 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 one example that's frequently given is is Deborah in um, Judges, and um, and she's seen in a very positive light in the book mm -hmm. of in a very dark time in you know Israel's history, and she's seen very positively. She has. Um, uh, Barack actually, um, you know, assisting her, um, but she's seen in a positive way. And I think we, 
we have to be careful with narrative that um, we pull from that and say, this is, see, this should be normal, right? Um, narrative in scripture always just tells us, unless, unless the Bible interjects, and this is how you should think about that, <laughs> um, uh, narrative typically just says what happened and not necessarily why or um, that it should be the norm for everything. And so I, I think I think I agree with you guys in that the norm should be um, men leading leading in their families, leading in the church, leading in the community, um, you know, and onto the nation. I think that that's what it it should be the norm. But every once in a while throughout history, including in the Bible, including Deborah, um, God has has raised up or or used um, a godly woman to accomplish His purposes. You know, so so we can look at recent history at someone like Margaret Thatcher um, or Condoleezza Rice, who wasn't a president, but she was a very effective leader of the State Department, right? Secretary of State. Um, these conservative, uh, you know, women who led well, that if if one of them, not Margaret Thatcher's not going to run for president, especially Probably not, not. Now. yeah, <laughs> both <laughs> but, English but and if one dead. of them were running <laughs> yeah. against someone that we have you know, was clearly like if the policies, if we look at the policies, I, I would actually agree, you know, that there are, that there are, God has used and, and, and I don't, there's not a strict prohibition. I think that's where, what we're all saying when it comes to government, there's not a strict prohibition. Um, but th the norm ought to be that men should step up and lead. Um, but every once in a while, God has used women. I mean, there's been, you know, uh, the queens there's been uh you know throughout history uh, there's been god has used godly women or, or honorable women they haven't always been godly they haven't i'm not saying that but god has always used uh he's used honorable women um in in ways that bring honor and glory to him as well and so i we just i maybe that's probably enough of that and um so let, let's get to the third one, and maybe this one could even be shorter. When it comes to having authority, is it okay to work for a female employee, like a boss that's a lady? Yeah. Yeah. I, I you, think, can't control, I think that, you can't control that. But. The, the, it, it, if we were to say, no, you Christians better not do that, it... it <laughs> It uh, it presents a sort of a weird situation if you have, let's say you have a a, a lady who is a, a a wife who is a worker at home who starts some home based business that just takes off like gangbusters and nobody dreamt it and starts hiring people and it just really goes like nuts. Are we gonna argue that? Oh well, now that this is really successful, you got to turn that over to a man. Well, there are because, there are yeah, people you know, who. And I people think people that who have, yeah. who have trouble with right I, I I would not say that I would say if you built this thing and God has blessed it then God's blessed it and uh if you're gonna say I can't work for a female boss and we, we would be saying to a lot of our folks that anytime your boss changes you might have to quit your job <laughs> right like that that you know yeah. again that's uh, I've lived this. So I used to work in the nursing home industry. 
which is a predominantly female, not only um, in, in actually working and taking care of people, but even the management is typically female. So uh, I, I worked in facilities where my manager was a woman. Uh, and when I was practicing as a nursing home administrator, most, if not all of the department heads were women because it's just a female dominated industry. Um, I think it was actually fitting <laughs> that it was so, because uh, there are some industries that just naturally women sort themselves into. Um, caring industries are typically like that. The medical yeah. industry uh, on a whole is predominantly um, it's predominantly not only worked by women, but also managed by women. Um, I have no issue with that. Um, even as a, as a minority in that scenario, as a man, uh, still didn't have an issue with it. It, it worked. It, it was functional. Um, everything was fine and people were well taken care of. Would that be the same for every other industry? Uh, I wouldn't go that far, but there are actually some industries that it makes total sense that, that women are, are the ones kind of calling the shots, I guess. So essentially, and, and we probably don't need to belabor this point, but essentially when Paul says, I do not permit a woman to exercise authority over a man, um, we're saying the context of that is within the church, mm -hmm. right? So, so uh, um, when, when he says that, he's saying, he's not saying, um, if you find yourself working in a hospital and the charge nurse that night is a woman, <laughs> you have to go check home. out and go home. <laughs> you you can job. walk right out. No one will chase you down. That's right. <laughs> or roll out, whichever. And, that, that, and this, yes. this is where we would push back on the egalitarians who might accuse us of, you know, that sort of mm -hmm. silly caricature uh, that all the men's big superior brains and the little dumb women can't do anything. We don't believe that. So women right. can run businesses and, mm -hmm. and do do those things. We're not denying that. That's great. Uh, to the glory of God, and, go and do there, all there that There are stuff. several in our church. Right. There are several in our church that are, they're Proverbs 31, right? Like, oh, right, I was going to go there. That just keeps coming up over and over again. They're, right. they're creating yeah. businesses and like, yeah. it, that's she was not, in the market all the time when it comes to compliment like that has nothing to do with complimentary right that, like uh, it shouldn't it, <laughs> right right it shouldn't Some... so if you're if you're interpreting the scriptures to say um that that uh you know i need to have authority over this one first of all it's only your wife it's only your within your family yeah, it's wives and their own husband not all <laughs> wives to all husbands <laughs> uh -uh. and it's and it's only within the church like um so so here's a real world scenario okay so if um as a pastor as elders we have sometimes needed to have conversations with women in the church maybe to correct maybe to um you know care for so it could be positive or, or negative right um shepherding conversations whenever possible whenever i've had to do that and i think it's probably true for all of us we always want to have that conversation with the husband as well. Yeah. Um, and it, because, because now there are cases when you, that's not appropriate. She need, yeah, yeah. When she needs to be able to talk to a, a pastor or an elder w without, you know, especially if it's issues with them, um, it, it, that kind of goes without saying it, but, uh, but whenever possible, um, if I'm going to correct somebody or rebuke somebody, uh, you know, it's going to be husband's going to be there right like 
that's about responsibility too. And, and so um, sometimes, and I had in my notes, you know, are, are Christians uh, obsessed with, or complementarians obsessed with male authority? Um, I, I would say some are, sure, but we're not. Um, we're, we're obsessed with um, following the scriptures. And, um, and so if, if Steve's wife is out of line about something, like, I'm going to talk with Steve. I, I may I may talk with both of them together, de depending on the situation. Uh, I probably would, um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna like Steve's not gonna be excluded from that, and he's not gonna say, "Well, I don't know. I don't, you better talk to her." <laughs> like, not really. Steve jokes about that sometimes, but that's not really what he's. That's not really what he's gonna say. If he's gonna be leading his family well, that that's like is is it's. It's similar. Well, I probably should leave it at that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I get into trouble. Uh, we're not obsessed with male authority. We're no. obsessed with being biblical and biblical authority. That's what yeah. we're obsessed with. Yeah. There that's, you go. that's where we're hanging our hat. Yeah. Okay. And so we do not require. Um, I'm just, I want to say this. Maybe we've been kind of all over the place, but even when it comes to business. Um, we we don't require women to be stay at home moms, right? Right. There there are, um, and I can think of some in our, in our church that are um, effective small business owners, mm -hmm. wives, right? Yeah, and, and like profitable, doing a really good job at running a business, uh, making money for their family, all of that, being productive for the home, who also are homeschooling their children teaching them God's word, mm -hmm. you know, husbands are involved in all of that. Right. Yeah. Um, we're not calling saying, them the homemaker doesn't preclude <laughs> also working in the market. Right. And right. Proverbs 31 is very clear about that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. There should be no bondage to that, uh, I guess. Um, or, or a cookie cutter aspect to that. Well, well, we're complementarians. That means, yeah then you have to be a stay-at-home mom and, and do those things. You can still be a homemaker and, you know, work a job in the economy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think okay. we would rather focus on the, on the positive of the value of prioritizing your, your home mm -hmm. than let's get together. All right, boys, let's get together and figure out like where we're going to draw the, like the line <laughs> over which thou shalt not pass. Yeah. I'm not as interested in that as I am esteeming the the importance of pouring your time and energy and creativity into your home. And what that looks like exactly on any given day, I don't think any of us want to like take on the responsibility of running every household represented in the church. I don't. You know, <laughs> no thanks. Like right. you can figure out exactly how that plays out in your own home. Okay, yeah, but we're happy to we're happy to advise. You know, we're happy uh, yeah. to work through those things. But but yeah, I'm, I'm not going to say I'm running your house now. No, <laughs> I don't want to do that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. It was not a He-Man Woman Haters Club. <laughs> 
<laughs> Believe it or not. We 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 want we want the men in a church to step up to to act like men and to let all that we do be done in love. Uh, we we want the men in our church to do that. And uh, I know it's about I, that sometime. Some, someday we will. Someday Maybe. But I, I know that I. Um, uh, our guys really are doing that for the most part, you know, our the men in our church that the, the um, are getting their families to church. They're leading in those ways, you know, getting them to church, reading the scriptures together, praying with them. I know that there's family worship happening that dad is leading. Mm -hmm. um, and there are some, there are godly women in the church that are, um, that are right alongside their man helping and, mm -hmm. and serving. And uh, yeah, I, we have some godly families. In our and church. those godly women expect that of the men too. Like they would be the right. first to hold them accountable yeah. to be a good leader before maybe yeah. even any of us would, would know that, that there was anything. Well, they're going to be the first to see Yeah. They're going to be the yeah. first to see it, right? And feel it and, and, and all that. most affected by that lack of leadership too. Yep. Yeah, so, I, I uh, think that's a, I think that's important, Dana, that we point out that where where men are uh, graciously leading and protecting their wives and uh, loving selflessly, this is the this is the recipe for the flourishing of women. This is it. Mm -hmm. This is a good thing for women. Yep. This is this is not. All right, boys. This is how you keep them down. This is how mm -hmm. we create a a culture where women bloom and flourish and get to exercise all of those abilities and talents that they have. Not the opposite. Amen. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's one of it's one of the over one million ways to adorn the gospel. <laughs> you know, there's much more, but this is one of them. And so uh, we do have an Act Like Men conference coming up on the 24th of February, 2024. Just coming up in a couple of weeks here at the church. Um, I don't know who listens, so if there are people out there that are interested in that, um, you can check out our website, the events page of rbcbellfountain.com. Is that our web address? Mm -hmm. rbcbellfountain.com. Mm -hmm. um, and there's It'll some more be in the show notes. There. All right. Where are the show notes put? In the notes I of the show. I hear every podcast say that. I never know where they're, to look. They're right below look us, notes? Dana. They're yeah, right so down there. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. If you're on, if you're on YouTube, it'll be in the description, and then I mean, I got podcast. a notebook, and they're not in those notes. <laughs> no, not the, not those notes. <laughs> All right, let's wrap this thing up by ascending the ladder. Whoop whoop. I'll let's go first this time. Go. I will. So uh, I'm getting ready to preach. Uh, so I'm in the middle of First Thessalonians, going to do First, Second Thessalonians, and then the Book of Revelation. And um, I've been reading a bunch of books from a bunch of different perspectives on eschatology. And one that I have found um, really good is a really short little book called The, the Momentous Event by W.J. Greer, um, a discussion hmm. of scripture teaching on the second advent. Uh, you may not agree with everything in here. I don't know that I agree with everything in here. Uh, this is um, put out by Banner of Truth. Um, so it's just a short little book, 125 pages or so. And uh, it's excellent. Just it's so easy to read and put together. Not It's not all inclusive, 
there's so, there's so many thick books when it comes to eschatology, but this was a simple little, um, yeah, simple little one. The Momentous Event, W.J. Greer. All Steve right, I have one. Uh, I, I was telling Lee before we got started, I can't remember which ones I've already recommended. So you guys can tell me, <laughs> yeah, you already did that one. But it's the Exposition of the Sermon on the Mount by A.W. Pink. Did I do that one already? Oh, I don't think so. Okay, think so, so if you want to do an in-depth study of the Sermon on the Mount, you could you could do you could spend your time in worse ways. Let's put it that way. A great uh, few chapters to look at in depth, and this will kind of tour guide you through that sermon and carry you through that. And has a lot of I think interesting and helpful things to say if you want to dig in deep on those three chapters. Uh, A. W. Pink, not not too bad, not too shabby. So check that one out. Nice. Does nice. AW stand for a woman pink? It does not stand for a woman <laughs> pink. It's uh, Arthur Walkington. I had, wow. to, I had to look at his middle name. I could, I don't know his. I always call him AW. So I don't know his middle name. Topic. Yeah. There you go. There's your trivia question answer. Hashtag real men read pink, right? Yeah. <laughs> um. So mine is actually my current read. I'm reading this book right now. It's called All That Is In God by oh. uh, by James E. Dolezal. So uh, and you can tell I'm reading it because of my Gollum bookmark. Um, <laughs> so uh, this, this book came out uh, shortly before R.C. Sproul passed away, and he was actually reading it. Um, I don't know that he ever finished it before he went to glory, but um, he loved the book. Um, I always wanted to sharp, sharpen up uh, my theology, especially regarding the Trinity, the doctrine of God. Um, and so this is a, a great work on uh, classical Christian theism. He's a really good writer, very clear. Um, this is a really good um, meditation on some some key perfections of God um, that maybe are have gotten short shrift in uh in evangelical theology for for a while so recommend yeah. this book highly i'm i'm about a third of the way through it but it has been quite a ride so far all that is in god by james dolezal blessing time well, Lee, bless us I, I think it's time for a blessing <laughs> the lord bless you and keep you the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Amen.